the 16th of March 2022. Lismore, it's worst flooding on record. Everything's gone. These na- 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 natural disasters. From news.com.au. I'm Andrew Buckalow, and I've got news for you. Well, parts of New South Wales and Queensland are still reeling from the recent floods, which were one of the most extreme disasters in Australian history. More than 20 people were killed and thousands of homes were destroyed, leaving a damage bill of $2 billion. Now, the truly scary thing is that experts say more natural disasters are on the way as climate change continues to wreak havoc on our country. In today's episode, we'll take a look at just how bad things will get and if there's anything we can do to lessen the impact of future disasters. And we'll also chat to a local from Lismore, which was one of the hardest hit areas, to find out how the recovery effort is coming along. There's this real spirit of rally, and that's the people that are volunteering and helping others. Um, there's a lot of others who recognise that this may well be the end for them in lots of ways, you know, whether it be financially or other. We'll be back in just a moment. Dr Blanche Burley is a climate justice expert from the University of Sydney and she joins me now. Thanks for coming on I've Got News For You. Yeah, no worries. Thanks so much for having me. Now, from the data you've gathered from studies out there, is the general consensus among scientists that the floods we've seen recently in New South Wales and Queensland are the result of climate change? Yeah, so after decades and decades of scientific research, we have compiled in Uh, multiple reports by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So, so much data and so much research confirming that this is what climate change looks like, is more extreme weather events such as floods and, and the bushfires that we saw in Australia, you know, two years ago on the East Coast as well. So, yes. We all saw those horrific images on TV over the past month and the effects of these weather events are so devastating and so wide-reaching, aren't they? I mean, it's not as if people just have to rebuild their homes and move on. It's so much more than that, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, unfortunately, often the media cycle moves on and perhaps in the public consciousness, we think that the impacts of climate change are sort of condensed to that short period of time. But, you know, the way that society interacts with the climate and the environment is really complex and so that plays out not only over the longer term but also in lots of unexpected ways. So some of the you know commonly documented impacts of climate change can flow onto things like an increase in violence against women uh, as people are displaced from their homes and things like that. So it's not just the long-term efforts at rebuilding and recovery and those kinds of things but also really pervasive and uh, lots of flow-on effects into our society as well. And I think that's something that we need to be paying increasing attention to is how climate change is reshaping our society quite profoundly. And it's not just the financial cost either, but also the mental toll it must take on all of those people affected must be quite staggering. Yeah, that's right. And that's my area of research is around the mental health and emotional impacts of climate change. So, We know that after these kinds of events that for some people that can result in, you know, increased mental illness, uh, things like post-traumatic stress disorder and such, depression, anxiety, uh, you know, a lot of people who uh, lived through floods in the past in Lismore, you you know, might experience when it starts to rain as kind of triggering and reminding them of those stressful times again. And increasingly that's also combining with, 
the anxiety that comes from knowing that these kinds of things are going to happen more frequently and more intensely. So we have this sort of trauma-related mental illness stemming from events that have happened in the past, combining with our worry about what's going to happen in the future. And this can um, leave people in a pretty distressed state. Uh, But of course, that all depends on Uh, well, not entirely depends, but it can be addressed depending on how we respond and proactively plan for and and care for our communities around that as well. So it's not a totally bleak picture, but it does require us to be proactive and on the front foot. Well, speaking of the future, do you think this is the new normal in Australia? Can we expect floods and bushfires to occur more often in the next decade? Look, that's definitely what what the science is telling us and the, our experience of seeing climate change play out tends to confirm the less optimistic projections from climate scientists. So the, the short answer to that is yes. Whether what we're seeing now is the new normal, I think the really scary answer is, as a lot of people in the climate space say, you know, we describe every year as the hottest on record, but in 20 years' time, we'll be looking back at it as some of the coolest that we've lived through. So it's sort of the new normal for the moment, but unless we really radically act to change course in terms of our emissions, that new normal is going to be superseded by, you know, another worse new normal and so on and so on. Now, I know it sounds pretty grim, but there are things we can all do right now to lessen the likelihood of floods and bushfires breaking out again in the future. Dr Blanche Verley will run us through them in just a moment. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm joined by Dr. Blanche Verley from the University of Sydney. Now, Blanche, what can we all do right now to lessen the likelihood of floods and bushfires becoming more common in the future? The primary thing that we can do is reduce greenhouse gas emissions. That means keeping fossil fuels in the ground. It means restoring and conserving forests. That's the sort of primary goal that we have to have. In terms of what everyday people can do in their lives, there's so many things that can start at your household level, but it can also mean advocating to your political representatives to do more in Parliament. So we all have a local member of Parliament. We all have um, people campaigning to replace them at the upcoming election. And we've also got senators in our state as well. So we need people acting both at the everyday level, doing what they can, but we need really big changes coming from our state and federal governments. And, you know, there is some promise in that area, but we really need to be acting really fast and doing a lot more. And I guess if we know these wild weather events are on the way, we should really be focusing on how we prepare for them in the future. What needs to be done so that the mental health and the environment doesn't cop as big a whack when these events come? Yeah, and again, there's so many things that we can do and we just need to put our minds to it and do it. 
That doesn't mean that we're going to be able to perfectly eliminate any kinds of losses, but we can be better prepared. Uh, recently, someone mentioned that 97% of our money spent in relation to these kinds of climate disasters is in response and recovery and only 3% in preparation. And so that's a really reactive approach. And it's not just about money, but that's kind of indicative of uh, where our attention is going. So we can do all kinds of things in terms of physical infrastructure, but also preparing communities through, you know, the social side of things as well. So whether that's better education about what's likely to happen in your area and how to respond, but there's also things around just building a sense of community and relationships with people in your local area as well. So we know that a good sense of community and strong social networks is one of the best ways of preventing harm to people in these kinds of disasters. So everything that we can be doing to build social cohesion and uh, reducing isolation, particularly after the pandemic where a lot of people are more isolated than ever, that's one thing that we can be doing. And it's also really fun. So, you know, that's something that I think is worth putting our effort into is just being in touch with our neighbours and our community and, and building those relationships. And I guess, you know, these recent floods came out of nowhere. It wasn't like the experts predicted it was coming. So we can't really afford to take any time to act, can we? We need to start working on these things right away. I guess in a way it's sort of it's difficult for climate scientists to predict exactly where any particular impact will happen or when. But, you know, as we mentioned, it is in line with the, the general predictions of things like floods and fires and droughts increasing in intensity and frequency. But that doesn't make it easier for us to predict in the, the weeks coming up that that's what's going to happen. So it's sort of both a shock but not a surprise. And so that's important to keep in mind that we have these uh, patterns that we know around what's changing, but we do need to generally be more prepared rather than expecting that we're going to have a perfect warning with a long lead time. And, you know, that's quite a challenging set of circumstances for us to be navigating. But again, that's why we need to be really putting our best feet forward in terms of working together as a community proactively to be thinking about all these sorts of things. The city of Lismore in northeastern New South Wales was one of the hardest hit in the recent floods. Water surged to a height of 14 metres, swallowing up homes and businesses. In just a moment, we'll cross to a local to find out how the recovery effort is coming along. Are you ready to get an inside look at crime from someone who has investigated some of Australia's worst crimes? It was like Aladdin's cave. The luminol found bloodied footprints and bloodied handprints on a wall. So it's yeah. just like a horror movie. Former homicide detective Gary Jubilant sits down with cops, crims, addicts, victims, small-time cheats and big-town lawyers as they tell their incredible stories. My house got raided. Next thing you know, I got bail refused. Next thing you know, I'm on a truck yeah. to Parkley Prison. Listen to I Catch Killers early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts today or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm joined now by Andrew Gordon. He's a councillor with the Lismore City Council. 
Andrew, we all saw the floods on TV. The images were truly shocking. What was it like on the ground? It was horrific because it's not just piles of rubbish, mate. It's people's livelihood and lives. And that's the human factor that I I guess you just don't recognise when you're looking at a pile of rubbish. And what about you personally? Did you have a home that was damaged in the floods? No, we're high and dry, which is fabulous. Um, our shop, of course, is down on the floodplains in Molesworth Street, and it went to the first floor. So our shop is, like every other shop in the CBD, you know, probably um, it's going to take a fair bit of restoration to bring it back. What's the mood in Lismore at the moment? Uh, I think it depends on who you talk to. Like, I think there's, there's, there's this real spirit of rally, and that, that's the people that are volunteering and helping others. You know, um, There's a lot of others who recognise that this is, yeah, you know, this may well be the end for them in lots of ways, you know, whether it be financially or other, you know. Um, but I think most people are, you know, business, well, especially the business community, the business community are stoic, you know. It's not their first rodeo, uh, but this was a significant event on, uh, on this occasion, which has changed the landscape a bit. But I just think that the business community are stoic and they are just prepared to, put the shoulder in and just get back and re-establish because that's all they know. You know, there is no alternative. You either go again or you just don't. <laughs> you know, so, and, and that's not part of their vocabulary. What about residents? Do you think that uh, these floods might force some people to give up on Lismore and move elsewhere? I hope not. Look, this is exactly the commentary you have after every event, every flood that we had. We had one just five years ago. And the town came back bigger and brighter. Yeah, at the moment, everyone starts looking at options and saying, well, how many times do we want to do this? Well, I've seen every flood since 74. And I must admit, even myself, on this occasion, I'm a little fractured. Up until this event, I've always thought, well, it's a natural part of living in the basin. That's what happens. But this one has been... Just a little bit more personal, I guess, because it's uh, it's just been so devastating. How's the cleanup effort going at the moment? The cleanup effort is is beyond remarkable. There is a sea of trucks, excavators, military. The ADF are fabulous. I'm here this morning. I'm in the office, and six guys. I think about six guys turned up and said, "What can we do to help?" And I just said, well, nothing right now, but I'm so grateful for you asking. They went straight to the next shop and done the same thing again. You drive down Wairala Road, there's ADF vehicles everywhere with an army of support. You know, so all our local guys and um, I said to the army guys, I said, where are you from? They said, they're from Adelaide. And I said, oh, wow, <laughs> you know, it's such a, an amazing effort. And there's just, you know, Matty Bruce was driving his excavator today. They're local guys. They're getting in. They're getting involved and they're doing a great job. You can visibly see a difference every day. It's incredible. I'm looking out my front window right now, mate, and if it wasn't for the tyre marks on the road, you wouldn't know it happened. You know, oh, right. except, uh, except when I turn around and look inside the office. That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a reminder. <laughs> but looking, looking through the glass out onto the street, it's looking remarkably better, you know, and each the streets are starting to clean. We get these intermittent showers and they wash a little bit more away. Um, but it's um, it's a process which everyone's navigating through. But, you know, it's just a big effort by everyone to see others, you know, succeed. What about us at home? What can we do to help you guys in Lismore? Ah, uh, yeah, good question. Like, I think we've seen, you know, different appeals. Um, if I was going to ask you for, for something, I guess that would be just your good wishes. I think we have the things that we need to rebuild. 
I saw a place today that definitely won't be rebuilt, and I'm sure there are several in Lismore which will not be coming back, and I'm hoping those people have some sort of coverage to help them navigate to their next stage. Uh, but if I was to ask you, mate, I think it would just be for your good wishes and goodwill and just keep the message alive that this is a great city. Um, it just needs a little bit of nurturing at the moment. But I think we'll come out the other side bigger and better and maybe a little bit more resilient. There might be some great conversations that escalate as a result of this event, which might lead to action, which might lead to putting the city in a better position than it was you know, two weeks ago. Can you believe that someone like Andrew, who's been through such a horrific experience, can somehow manage to remain so upbeat? I mean, that is resilience right there, isn't it? Uh, don't forget you can donate to the Red Cross's flood appeal. Just go to redcross.org.au. Thanks for listening to I've Got News For You. I'll chat to you again tomorrow.